Hello again, everyone, and welcome to it. It is the Derek Hunter Podcast for the 11th, no, 12th, 10th, 10th, 12th, good Lord, of October 2022. Happy hump day to you. It's Wednesday, that much I know. I'm Derek Hunter. I am your host. Let's get to the program as quickly as I can tell you about going to patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or to derekhunter.locals.com to support the show, get extra bonus materials. And all sorts of things, and you just you know alleviate whatever guilt is haunting you for getting all this high quality entertainment and information for the cost of nothing, huh? Patreon.com slash Derek Hunter Podcast or Derek Hunter com. You go there and you can enter to win the signed book contest and all that stuff too. You, you get stuff for it. So I appreciate that. Now let's start the program. All right, we've got a lot of things to uh, get to today. Tons of ground to cover. There's never, it's never, never a dull moment. Even when you're like, you know what? I'd kill for a dull moment right now. And then you go ahead and kill. Then you don't get the dull moment. You feel ripped off. But uh, I want to start off with, well, there's quite a few things that are burning up people's minds today. But I want to start off with Tulsi Gabbard. She has officially quit the Democrat party and you're probably sitting there wondering well she was a democrat yes she was and actually if you listen to tulsi gabbard if you you the reason so many people are shocked at the fact that they love tulsi gabbard on the right is because she goes on fox and she talks about the things that she agrees with conservatives on and the conservatives go oh swoon tulsi gabbard Tulsi Gabbard on most issues is a radical leftist. She just is. She is. Now, she being wrong on a lot of things doesn't mean you're wrong on everything. All right? I, uh, I don't have the... What's the word I'm looking for? I don't have the affection for Tulsi Gabbard that so many other people have. I'm not impressed with any politician. I'm just not. I don't sit there and go, oh, my goodness. They're just a wonder. I, I favor some politicians, but personally, I I expect every single one of them to when the chips are down and if it suits their needs and if it whatever it is that is that they're trying to do, if it they're going to stab you in the back or they're going to push you down the stairs, they're going to do something. And I expect that from politicians and I don't resent them for it because I don't put hope in them. That way, it's, I think that's a good way to live because then you're pleasantly surprised when they, they don't shove you down the stairs or you know, pour sugar in your gas tank while punching you in the face, you know, those sorts of things. But you just sit there and you, you watch people. And maybe it's, I don't know, it's, it's something about cable news. Yes, I get it. They're teams. But the, uh, the left can create somebody to be a hero to the left, who's kind of an idiot. Let's just be honest. They're kind of, Joe Scarborough is kind of an idiot. He's adult. He looks like what Harry Potter hopes he doesn't become. You know, he kind of grew up in the, and you're sitting there and you got this wife staring at you, glazed eyed, like, whoa, she get into the medicine cabinet again? What's going on there? And uh, it just, she just nods along with everything he says. And everything he says is like stupid and contradictory to what he used to stand for. All the while he's sitting here telling you the Republican Party has changed. Like you, 
You used to tell everybody how conservative you were, Joe, and now you're sitting there arguing that abortion, we need more abortions, we need more this, we need more trans issue. You should be able to, starting at the age of zero, be able to butcher your child's body because tolerance and things like that, and those evil right-wingers just don't, and you're like sitting there going, I don't get it, Joe. 20 minutes ago, you were telling me how conservative you were. All you do is try and dine out on the fact that you used to be a Republican member of Congress, and now you're sitting there doing this, and they don't care. They don't care. He's a hero to the left now because he's spewing the right things. Alexander Vindman. Remember Alexander Vindman? Remember him from Impeachment 1? He was the Ukrainian specialist. Oh, he knew everything about Ukraine, and he's the one who had very much concerns about, oh, my goodness, I don't like this phone call. Donald Trump is being a meanie to the president over there. And uh, they set that whole thing on. And the left, the left built him up as he's perhaps the smartest person in the world when it comes to Ukraine. Perhaps, really beyond question, he's the, the Ukraine expert. He's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's a genius on everything. And, and they uh, they signed him up for cable news and they put him on there all the time. And now with... Ukraine, he's out there constantly. He's been constantly wrong on everything. And he opines on everything. Everything. Like, okay, you can agree with him on Ukraine, but you got to kind of admit that he doesn't know what the hell he's talking about when it comes to domestic policy, right? That's not, his, that's not in his wheelhouse. No, no, no. Vindman said it. I don't care what Vindman said. You created a monster who believes his own press. Congratulations. Well, in a lot of ways... That's how I view Tulsi Gabbard. I don't know who the real Tulsi Gabbard is. And quite frankly, I don't care who the real Tulsi Gabbard is. There may come a day when I am convinced that Tulsi Gabbard is not what Tulsi Gabbard spent the entirety of her career convincing me she was, which is a left-wing progressive, right? That's what she is. But because she doesn't want us to get into senseless wars, somehow she became a hero to a small segment of the media, a small but powerful segment of the media. And they kept putting her on and saying, look at her. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. She's wonderful. So now she leaves the Democrat Party. Good. Leave the Democrat Party. But she's not a conservative. Leaving the Democrat Party does not make her a conservative. That's not the way the world works. Simply not being a Democrat does not make you a Republican. There are many things further to the left than Democrats, believe it or not, that people could easily be. And I have every reason to believe that Tulsi Gabbard is one of those. But whatever, beside the point. She released a video that everybody's sort of drooling over. Oh, my goodness, she left. She left the Republican or the Democratic Party. Congratulations. No, she did. And she cites the good reasons. She cites good reasons. Now, does she believe these things? I tell you, she didn't a year ago. She didn't two years ago. She didn't five years ago. She certainly didn't while she was an active member of the House of Representatives. Does she now? I don't know. But I'm not ready to get a a tattoo. Tulsi 2024. I'm just not. I need more than this. I'm a little too cynical when it comes to politicians. And I have seen them puff on a big old cigar to blow smoke up people's rear ends. They do it constantly. It's their stock and trade. That being said, you can make up your own mind. I believe that you can make up your own mind, so I will play for you 
Tulsi Gabbard quitting the... Ter- now, I'll, I'll cede. She makes some good points. It's a rah-rah speech. But I don't care. Just like I told you yesterday, just because Kanye West says something that you like doesn't mean you go, oh, Kanye West is the second coming. Kanye West is the savior of the conservative movement. Kanye West is one of... No, Kanye West is not. Kanye West brings a lot of baggage with him. Kanye West brings a lot of problems with him. Do not embrace a Kanye West. All right, do not embrace anybody immediately. Sit there and make them prove themselves. Remember that? There was a time when you had to go out on a, quite a few dates before you could end up in bed with somebody. They Believe it or not, kids, there really was. You had to earn it. You had to deserve it. They had to. Everybody involved had to be on board with... Now it's like, okay, well, we've talked online. Let's just do this thing, all right? Let's do. Now there are apps where, oh, I swiped in this particular direction, so take your clothes off. Let's get it on. No. When it comes to, I don't care what you do in your personal life, if that's how you want to live, live. But when it comes to your uh, your political loyalties, your political swooning, your political anything, particularly your vote, you need a little bit more. You need a little bit more and wait for a little bit more. It's a good first step. This is the appetizer on the first meal. Make them take you out to a lot of dinners. I can no longer remain in today's Democratic Party that's under the complete control of an elitist cabal of warmongers who are driven by cowardly wokeness, who divide us by racializing every issue and stoking anti-white racism, who actively work to undermine our God-given freedoms that are enshrined in our Constitution, who are hostile to people of faith and spirituality, who demonize the police but protect criminals at the expense of law-abiding Americans, who believe in open borders, who weaponize the national security state to go after their political opponents, and above all, who are dragging us ever closer to nuclear war. Now, I believe in a government that's of the people, by the people, and for the people. Unfortunately, today's Democratic Party does not. Instead, it stands for a government that is of, by, and for the powerful elite. Now, I'm calling on my fellow common sense, independent-minded Democrats to join me in leaving the Democratic Party. If you can no longer stomach the direction that the so-called woke Democratic Party ideologues are taking our country, then I invite you to join me. Okay, all the buzzwords are there. All the good things, but what does she want to do? Say she's not coming. She's like suddenly not going. Well, I'm a conservative Republican. I'm a conservative Republican, so let's go. Let's do this thing. No. So be wary of that. Be glad that she's gone. Politicians will use you every chance they get. Return the favor every chance you get. Use them. Okay. She is going to be useful. But she's not necessarily going to be helpful. She's not. Where does she stand on the... Where is she conservative? She doesn't want us to get into wars. Great, that's good. That should be everybody's policy. Bernie Sanders doesn't want us to get into wars. Okay? So what does that mean exactly? Because it's there's a difference between do we... Uh, we don't want to get into wars, so let's back off of our stance and 
saber rattling and here, there, or the other place or whatever, or let's pull our troops out of this country. And there's a difference between that and let's start defunding the military. Let's start cutting the military budget. Let's start doing those sorts of things. Now, I know people are going to say, well, she's in the military or she was in the military. Okay, she was. It's fine. It doesn't really matter. The military is wildly woke now. People, Lots of people in the military. Lots of people in the military are ruining the military. They usually have stars on their shoulders. And are more politicians than soldiers. And that's it. And they recognize that they need to get into certain positions and be there for a little bit uh, in order to get a nice Raytheon contract for consulting when they do, in fact, eventually retire from the military. There are all sorts of reasons. I don't recommend you trust anybody in government in any way, shape, or form. Hold their feet to the fire. Period. But Tulsi Gabbard is ultimately a politician. You can love her all you want, but don't be surprised when she's a politician. When she talks about abortion, just say, what do you? Where do you think she stands on abortion? Where do you think she stands? Where does she stand on trans issues? I don't know. She's a committed progressive. I guarantee you, she likes the idea of a big welfare state, an expanding welfare state. That she's flirting with Fox for a contract, or has a Fox contract, or whatever it is is not a reason for me to believe in her. It's not a reason for me to go, oh, she's wonderful. Oh, she's great. She'll say what has to be said. I know far too many people who are on television who are lying to you a lot of times or who will focus on certain things where they agree with whatever the audience is, is people who go on... uh, CNN, no guy, just absolutely in love with himself. My God, he's in love with himself. And he used to have a CNN contract. He did. He desperately wanted it. He lost it. Now he's desperately trying to get an MSNBC contract. And he'll say whatever it is. He spends 99% of his time insisting, well, I'm a super conservative, while whining constantly and writing about every single thing Republicans do. Why? Because that's what's going to get him on MSNBC. He's never going to get on Fox. Fox is desperate for white dudes, for whiny white dudes. They got that market cornered. They don't need anybody to go out there and talk about the conservative line. They've got that covered. So his only hope is to go out there and get an MSNBC or an MSNBC deal because the CNN deal is done. And you read, you don't read his columns, you just read his tweets and you go, this is ridiculous. Does this person have any core values? I don't know. Does Tulsi Gabbard have any core values? I don't know. But I do know that you're not going to be able to figure it out or know from one instance or one particular issue. So don't fall for it. Don't fall for it. Don't give them the satisfaction. Make them woo you. Make them take you to dinner. Make them talk to you. Convince you. Don't simply just say, well, this is how it is. Because generally, that's not how it is. It's not at all how it is. I'm actually, I have to go to some dinner tomorrow for with, with Tulsi Gabbard will be at. I don't care enough to go up and talk to her. <laughs> I'm just going to mind my own business and watch the clock. But uh, just uh, the, another example of people going, oh, Tulsi Gabbard swoon. Tulsi Gabbard, no, Tulsi Gabbard don't swoon. Stop swooning over Tulsi Gabbard until she actually does something. 
people saying something. How, how many organizations immediately tried to, do you think, I would say probably all of them, immediately tried to reach out to Kanye West, say, well, we'd like you to come to Washington, D.C., and uh, maybe accept a Man of the Year award or something at our fundraising dinner. Come on out. It'll be wonderful. It'll be... And then what happens? Two days later, he says, oh, I'm going to really declare war on the Jews. And you're like, oh, uh, never mind. At least the turnaround time with, uh, with Kanye was fast enough that they could have, that they avoided the disaster that likely would have come. I'd just say give it some time. She's not going anywhere. None of these people are going anywhere. Give them time. Make them prove themselves. That's all. Is that too much to ask? I don't think that's too much to ask. In other, and there's a lot going on today, like I said. I, I, I want to follow up because I played you some audio yesterday of the Democrat running for governor out in Arizona. She's refusing to debate Carrie Lake because Carrie Lake is such an extremist. She's just too extreme. Even though Carrie, now if you're losing in the polls to somebody and you're refusing to debate somebody because you're saying they're too extreme, they're far too dangerously extreme, what are you, what are you saying about the people you, you want to vote for you? They're idiots or they're monsters, one of the two, right? Isn't that, Those are the, what they, they're saying. Isn't that it? Like oh, These people are just like like Charlie Chris down in Florida. If you're a Ron DeSantis supporter, I don't want your support. You're a monster. You're an idiot. And I don't. Oh, all right. Well, there go all the fence sitters. They just flopped right over the other side. And don't get me wrong. I'm glad. Anything that keeps a weasel like that out of office is a good thing for humanity. Honestly, but it just seems bizarre to me that you'd burn a lot of calories doing that sort of thing. But hey, whatever. Well, uh, Katie Hobbs refusing to debate. You can see now that maybe she's using the idea that Carrie Lake is just so damned extreme as an excuse so she doesn't have to debate. Now, why would she want to do that? Well, because I think she's she'd probably suck at it. <laughs> if we're just being honest, I why now? Why am I saying that? Well, a good debater is able to think on their feet. A good debater is able to, to adjust, to compensate to what's going on in a particular moment. Somebody says something, and you, you can pounce on it, or you can point it out. You know what their positions were in the past, or what have you, and you're able to say, hey, no, that's inconsistent with what you've said before. That's what a good debater is. A good debater also knows what they truly believe. I'm not sure that Katie Hobbs truly believes in anything. I think there are a lot of Democrats out there who just do what they're... Like, there are a lot of people who just want to be in politics, who just want to be in elected office. They don't really give a damn about anything else. It's just get me power. And they'll say anything and do anything and, and commit to anything and insist they've always believed those... Just think of Joe Biden. Every position he's holding now is contrary to pretty much every position he's held throughout his entire career. Why? Because the Democratic Party has changed dramatically. Changed wildly, as a matter of fact. So uh, he changes with them. I'm a devout Catholic. Now let me uh, perform this abortion right here. It's going to be wonderful. It's going to be great. That sort of thing. Same with Nancy Pelosi. I'm uber Catholic, but I want to take your money and pay for their abortions. Okay. Okay, you can 
You can maybe say, I want to keep my religion separate from my politics, but you can't really justify the taking somebody else's money and and paying for things and having no religious exemption. You, you can be as Catholic and as pro-abortion as you want, but you can't really be all that pro-constitution if you're sitting there saying that uh, people's religious values, religious beliefs, deeply held as they are, don't matter at all. You're going to force your will on them. See, that's, that's the difference. Well, Katie Hopkins, while refusing to debate, and you'll see why she refuses to debate, she's not quick on her feet, is doing media still, friendly media, and it's, it's really kind of is friendly media. She appeared on a local television station out there. The audio is less than ideal, but you can hear what she's saying and what she's asked and what she's trying to answer. And you begin to see that maybe maybe she's just really terrible at debates. Maybe she's recognizing that she sucks and she shouldn't debate, and that's really what the issue is. It's kind of funny, too, to listen to her squirm. A basic question that a normal human being who has brain cells that they could rub together, come up with a thought, would be able to answer this question pretty easily. That's not the Democrat running for governor out in Arizona. Let me ask you, how has it impacted you personally? What have you learned, specifically learned from the Latino community? That's a great question. Um, I don't necessarily uh, think about it that way in those terms. I think um, I really value uh, my relationships across the board with, um, with with different folks, and um, and I learn all the time from from people uh, in my life. My sister-in-law, um, she is uh, Latino, and uh, her family. Uh, I love hanging out with them and uh, practicing my Espanol. <laughs> uh, so, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I just, it's, um, I learned so much from, from her family, uh, but I think um, it, it just, it's really hard to separate out Arizona and subtract Latino culture because it's so much a part of who we are as a state. And, um, and I, and I, um, I, 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 Arizona wouldn't be Arizona without the, what the Latino community brings. <laughs> I, I, I like, I love hanging out with my sister-in-law and her family. You mean your brother? <laughs> your sister-in-law and her family? Uh, unless you, you really awkwardly invite yourself to events with your sister-in-law's family. She never mentions her brother. Okay, maybe your brother's a jerk. Who knows? But boy, howdy, I, I love uh, being around them because you can't separate uh, what they are to here and boy, they love family. Okay, so you you learned nothing? Like, just, that's what you're saying. You've learned literally nothing. You got nothing. Now, there's a very simple answer. To, you can not play the race game, but Democrats can't not play the race game. You just say, look, this, I've learned the same thing that I've learned from everybody in Arizona. We all are the same. We all love our families. We all love this. We all love that. And blah, 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 blah. You just go that generic route if you want. Or you could say, you know what? I really learned to be careful with spices. and blah. You could say whatever you want. What she does is says nothing. 
while throwing a whole bunch of things at the wall, hoping to placate this interviewer. What's funny is she doesn't. <laughs> He's not fallen for it. Well, he actually circles back and puts her back on the spot because, again, all the words that she said in that minute-long clip culminated with nothing. They meant nothing. So there's not one specific lesson you could share with you, other than Espanol with you. It's one-third of the state. Yeah, yes, absolutely. Uh, I, I, I mean, I think there's there's many lessons. Uh, the the emphasis on uh, family values, uh, hard work. Uh, those are those are something that I value in my own life, and um, you know. <laughs> uh, family values and hard work. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know when that's the only thing. That's that's. Only Hispanics are known for that. Only Latinos are known for that, apparently, in the minds of the left. It's unbelievable that you can't come up with an answer. You want to be governor of a state. You want to be governor of a state that's one-third Hispanic, and you know the politics that your party has created, that your party has fostered, that your party has milked, are going to lead to questions like uh, causing you to have to pander to that particular ethnicity, and you go, you come up with nothing. You come up, well, I just tell you, I... Uh, I think that the way that they uh, treat their family is great. Oh, okay, great. So what, you're saying that nobody else treats their family well? Nobody else, family's not important to black people. Family's not important to white people. Family's not important to other people. Like, what are you trying to say? You could have all sorts of fun with this, but letting her twist in the wind, letting her go out there and scramble and try and figure out what in the hell she's trying to say, try to come to some kind of point, all she's doing is talking to the point that she hopes that the interviewer will step in and say, okay, great, that's enough. You can stop talking now. You've, you've, the, the word salad you've tossed, the, the blanket you've tried to uh, orally crochet, that's enough. That's enough. And to his credit, he never does. He never jumps in to save her. Because I think he's sitting there going, my God, you're really bad at this. You're really bad at this. And you begin to see why she doesn't want to debate Carrie Lake, who's exceedingly good on television. Then maybe you sit there and you realize that maybe all these Democrats who are refusing to debate Republicans across the country are in the same boat. Maybe that's why they don't want to debate, why they're refusing to debate Republicans. Because people who are confident in their abilities, people who are confident in their knowledge, and who actually believe in things and believe that the things they believe in are supported by a majority of Americans, aren't afraid to debate. They aren't sitting there going, oh, geez, I hope nobody asks me about this. I don't want to talk about this issue. I don't want to talk about that issue. People who are confident don't have that problem. So it's just kind of amusing to me watching these people twist in the wind. Speaking of people twisting in the wind, people going there. Don Lemon, by the way. Remember Don Lemon? We haven't talked about Don Lemon in a while. Ever since uh, What's-His-Face got fired, Chris, uh, Chris Cuomo. Ever since he got fired, we haven't really had much to say about Don Lemon. He's been trying, I think, desperately to keep his job, to be honest with you. I think that's what he's trying to do. And he's managed to do it. He's got his job. He's being shifted to the morning show, but he's still getting his paycheck. But he did his final 
nighttime primetime show at 10 o'clock last night. And at the end of it, he said a, not a teary goodbye because he's just moving to a different time slot. And he actually has to do, he's going to get paid the same amount of millions. He just has to do less because he's going to have two co-hosts with him. I think, well, if we take a whole bunch of people that nobody likes and we put them together, it's got to be ratings gold, right? Right? That's ratings gold. Well, he said goodbye last night to his viewer. The very personal moment in that it was, he might as well have said, look, Johnny, you're the only person who watches. You're the only person who's believed in me. So on and so forth. But yeah, that's perhaps a little cruel because Johnny probably has some friends. But he signs off for the last time, and just as you're going to pour one out for good old dandy Don Lemon, let's listen to him say goodbye, just for fun, speaking of incompetence. Many gifts and presents over the years. So I know I was not always perfect, because no one is perfect, because there are immense pressures that come with this job, and in particular, this time slot at 10 o'clock when people are going to bed. So sometimes all I could do, I'm going to be honest with you, is just smile and just get to the commercial break sometimes. It's just, it's, sometimes it was exhausting because some of the things that we discuss here are so personal and so consuming, all consuming. So I hope I made you proud and I thank you for tuning in all these years and I hope that you're gonna join me in the morning. So I will simply say good night and I will see you soon. All I could do sometimes was smile and get to the commercial break. Smile and uh, sometimes all we could do was close her mouth, put her hands over it, and try and get to the toilet in time before we... <sighs> he should have been fired. He shouldn't be fired because he's a leftist. He should be fired because he's bad at his job. His job is to attract an audience. I get it. If you're not going to attract an audience, then as a news anchor, then your job should be to convey information to the audience, inform and educate the audience. He doesn't do that. He's incapable of doing that. His emotions get the best of him. He's a leftist. He's a committed leftist. Moving him to the morning isn't going to change anything, but I do love, like, oh, all I could do is get to the commercial break sometime. Thank you, guys. You've loved me so much. <laughs> Nobody loved you, Don. That was kind of the problem. But you know what? You'll be missed by somebody. Probably. You talk about insanity. What would a talk, any talk, about insanity be without the ladies of The View? Am I right? ABC News is goodly enough to provide us with one hour of peak insanity, lunacy, whatever you want to call it, every day. Now, I don't think it's ABC News anymore. It started off as ABC News. Then I think ABC News was like, ugh. It's gotten out of control, especially when Barbara Walters retired. I don't think ABC News wanted to be associated with it, so I think that they tried to, I don't know, tame it. They tried to keep it on the rails, and they recognized they weren't going to keep it on the rails. So I think they gave it over to ABC Entertainment, which is kind of funny because it's still treated like a news show. It's not a news show. I don't even know what the hell kind of a show it is. I just remember when Barbara Walters started it, it was, I imagined a bunch of women sitting around talking about the news of the day. And that's what it was. And it was somewhat, I mean, aside from Joy Behar, it was interesting women with some real-world experience, lifetime experience, and they didn't sit there and just, it wasn't DNC TV at the time. 
at least not to the extent that it is now. And boy, howdy, is it now. And so they, uh, yesterday they started talking because it was Indigenous Peoples Day on Monday. Yes, Indigenous, there's nothing better than an Indigenous person. They're way better than you are, don't you know? Yeah, um, so the left does what they do on all these sorts of things and try to pander. I'm an Indigenous person. I was born and raised in the United States of America. But uh, to hell with these people. The idiots over at The View, particularly uh, Sonny Houston, 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 whatever the hell her name is, is upset that people point out that she's racist on social media because, you see, she can't be racist because um, this is the thing. I learned this for the first time 1992 or something like that, watching the fir- whenever the first season of The Real World was. There was a guy named Kevin and a girl named Julie in the cast of the very first real world. And they were arguing about whatever. And Julie was from Alabama and Kevin was, I think he's from New York. He's now, a, like he was a hip hop journalist or whatever. He's a big time racist dude. And Julie, because she had a Southern accent, she was portrayed as, oh, she's just a horrible, horrible racist. And Kevin was constantly telling her, that, telling everybody that he was a victim. And she called him a racist because he hated white people because of the color of their skin and he said at the time this is the first time i'd ever heard it black people can't be racist because race plus power equals racism and black people don't have any power and so they can't be racist and you're sitting there and you're going that's incredibly stupid but you're redefining it so you can't be it tells you that you're hitting close to the target really if if you're calling somebody a racist and their argument isn't i'm not racist it is I can't be racist because of X, Y, and Z. What they're doing is they're admitting that, yeah, the stuff they're saying is pretty racist, but they can't be, but they can't be racist, so it doesn't matter. So they can say racist things because they can't be racist. It's not really racist. If you follow that, it doesn't, doesn't make any rational sense to a thinking human being, but that's the argument that they make. And that's what the ladies on The View are arguing. That's what Sonny Houston is arguing here and it's kind of funny she does it casually she just mentions she doesn't even explain it because being a liberal means you never have to explain anything it's just well racism is about power okay sonny compared to the uh, i don't know the the grip the boom operator whatever on the view who do you think has more power the guy who holds the microphone over your head or the one lady who puts the makeup on or does your hair, whatever, if she happens to be white, or you as the host. So I'm pretty sure if the grips got together and said, we are refusing to work with Sonny over there, I'm pretty sure they'd be laughed out of the business. And say, All right, Sonny's just a horrible person. We refuse to work with her. They would, the producers would go, all right, well, we've got 500 grips outside. I'll go get them, and uh, you're all fired. Good luck to you. See you later. But if Sonny said, I refuse to work with that grip over there, that grip would probably be fired. Now, they might try and hide the motivation behind it. Sonny just doesn't like you. Sorry, you're out. They might say, hey, Bob, uh, we're scaling back, or we're changing things, whatever it is. I guarantee you in that power dynamic, the white grip, union or not, would be out on his rear end, whereas the black host or Hispanic, whatever, host would be just fine. So in that sense, 
Sonny is completely capable of being a racist. But you see, that's not what she's talking about. Just like that situation I described to you in the real world, where the guy was bigger, older, stronger than the 18-year-old from Alabama or wherever she was from. So therefore, in that dynamic, he had the power. He and Sonny were talking about in general not in specific. They never want to get specific because in specific, you're on television, you're, you're doing all right. You got certainly more money and power and prestige than most people watching you on television, mostly because rich people, richer people than you don't have the time to sit around and watch The View. They don't waste their time sitting around watching The View. But I guarantee you that Sonny is wealthier and more powerful than the people watching her. Therefore, if the people she's watching watching her are white, she can be racist to them, despite her protestations. That's not what she's talking about. She wants to go society-wide. Again, I would argue that uh, most people can just be accused of anything whatever, and there is a large element in society who will simply believe the allegations and take to the streets over them, say, if a a junkie dies in police custody. They'll take to the streets in protestation and demand action and what have you without any concern for whatever facts may come up. It's not George Floyd, but it's many other situations. Remember that girl who was shot by police officers as she was going to stab the other girl? Both women were black. And uh, what was the thing? Oh, racist cops shot a black girl. Uh, There's a little bit more to it than that. No, no, it doesn't. Even after the video came out, there were still activists in Ohio, I think it was, who came and took to the streets and said, we demand justice for so-and-so. And if you're the other girl who's about to get stabbed to death by this girl, you might probably be wondering, what the hell? What, what Does my life not matter? And the simple answer is no. No, to the left, no life really matters. Lives are useful to the cause. They don't matter. And in that scenario, the girl who was about to kill you, her life is useful to the cause. Yours is an inconvenient thing that they kind of brushed under the rug, what have you. Anyway, there's your context. Listen to the ladies on The View. Good Lord, they are, I'd say they're a mile wide and an inch deep, but they aren't even an inch deep and they aren't anywhere close to a mile wide. Opine about racism. And I think when you talk about reparations, it's such a hot button issue. The minute you start talking about reparations, people call you a racist. And I've always said, you know, please, people need to start just looking up what the definition of racism is. It's really a power dynamic. It's not just about the color of your skin. And I think when you talk about those who committed crimes that owe reparations, those are the people that committed the atrocities of slavery, who stole land, who killed indigenous people. Today is Indigenous Peoples Day. Yeah, those reparations are still owed. And so to sort of try to subvert the conversation and bastardize the conversation and call people racist because you call out racism is something that I get to experience every single day on social media. Thank you very much. I am somehow a race baiter and a racist because I call it like I see it. And I, I just, I think it's, um, I think it's being used as a political wedge issue. Now, everything is racist. Everything is racist, well, especially was, if you call it out. <laughs> no, it's being used as a political, what do you, have you never watched The View, Sonny? 
Have you never watched The View? What if racism is now being used as a political wedge issue? Yeah, uh, are you unfamiliar with your own work? You and the little gaggle that you gather around that table every day are doing exactly what you're sitting there saying. Oh, you call the people who committed these atrocities. Yeah, they're all dead. They're all dead. And oh, by the way, the people who committed those atrocities, if you start from the very beginning back to the slave trade, they were black. Yeah, black people enslaved other black people in Africa and then sold them to Europeans for export to the new world. True story. Look it up. But no, no, no. You only care about a certain amount of the uh, chain of events. The ones that suit you politically. The ones that suit you politically. You'll get no reparations. Why? Because no one wronged you. No one wronged you. You were not a slave. You were not a I hate to break it to you. But you are not a slave. And nobody alive today in the United States of America is a slave owner. Are there descendants? Sure there are. You may well be one of them. Kamala Harris is a descendant of slave owners in the Caribbean, one of the biggest slave owners in the Caribbean. Do you think she's going to pony up? She's going to open up her purse? No. This is all just a wedge issue. You want to dangle out in front of people. Look, vote for Democrats and we'll get you money. We'll get you money. We'll get you big money. We'll get you big money. Come on, do it, do it. Of course, Democrats have been promising to make people's lives better for generations, and it has not worked unless you're a huge Democrat donor. Then, you know, congratulations, that investment has really paid off a lot. But normal voters, nope, you've been taken to the cleaners. Now, if you're a sucker and you keep going back to the same well, going, maybe this time the water won't be poisoned, then I can't help you. And more importantly, I don't want to help you. All you can do is sit there and watch somebody lick their finger and stick it in a light socket. And you know, all right, every time you do that, it hurts. Every time you do that, it hurts. What do you think is going to happen the next time you do it? It's going to hurt. But if you want to keep doing it, knock yourself out. I love how she's the victim. Well, I can't possibly be a racist. Yeah, you can. You can. You're on television. You're a multimillionaire. You are powerful. No, 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 it's societal. People who look like me aren't powerful. Okay, well, people who look like me aren't powerful too. Yeah, but no, the society is set up to, to, to benefit you. I tell you, the benefits I got from the color of my skin were none. When I was a busboy, when I was making subs, it wasn't like somebody came up. It wasn't like those old Hollywood stories. I was discovered busting a table. Nope, nobody came up to me while I was... Sir, waiting tables are making their sub at Tubby Sub Shop and said, hey, you know, I couldn't help but notice the way you delivered that sandwich, the way you took that order. You are uh, clearly a genius. You're of the right skin color. And so I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to mentor you and just throw things at you. No, no. That's not how the world works for anybody, regardless of their skin color. The harder I worked, the luckier I got. That was how it worked. And it took a long time to get anywhere where I really actually felt lucky at all. 70-some-odd jobs. Um, College debt. Working college while going through college. Working through college. All that sort of stuff. That's what it was. It wasn't like, hey, white guy over here, here's the pathway. You just go down this hallway, knock three times, knock, go bonk, bonk, bonk on the door down there on the right-hand side. They'll know you're white. They'll open it up and things will just come to you. And Sonny's on television. What 
does she bring to the table aside from a willingness to beclown herself in front of a large audience every single day and do the Democrats bidding? I don't know, nothing. Maybe so. Maybe that's how it worked for Sonny. Maybe that's how it worked for Sonny. In which case, she would then have the privilege, even more so than she does in this power dynamic. But not to be outdone, the other idiots on The View decide to come in. I don't know who the blonde chick is on The View. I saw somebody yesterday point out that she has been, uh, she comes from a wealthy family. I don't know if that's true or not, but it wouldn't surprise me. Himes, Cheryl Himes comes to mind. Maybe that's it. She, of course, recognizes that if she disagrees with anything Sonny says, she's going to be fired. But she doesn't care because she doesn't disagree with it. None of these people actually believe in this crap, I don't think. I think they recognize that they have a brand and they have to do it. And then in comes Whoopi at the end to try and give it some perspective. She's supposed to be like the elder stateswoman on this show. And she ends up spewing some racism of her own. Stop racism to so many levels and they clearly don't understand what reparations are because the people committing those crimes were the white people <laughs> so no one's asking for reparations for them so you got to get it all there's so much ignorance in these statements and let us not forget that america has paid reparations before to folks for wrongdoing okay so that's what the reparations are about is recognizing when you've overstepped Okay, that's what that's about. So when you want to throw one group, remember, if we're going to throw stuff around, we, everybody's got a lot to, to answer for. The whole idea is to recognize there's an issue and deal with it, which y'all continue not to do, which is why the problem remains. <laughs> everybody's got some stuff in the Right, everybody does. Everybody does, whoopee. So we could all just, everybody give everybody a dollar and then we're all, we're all even, we call it a day. But then she goes, and y'all are the ones fighting it. Then she turns it back to white people. Everybody's got some stuff in their past. Everybody does. But if you really want to play this game, I think that the, the Jewish people probably been through the worst. Maybe we should start with reparations to them. We'll just hit up the Egyptians for that. No, you don't want to play that game, do you? You don't want to play that game. I just love this idea that, oh, everybody's just a victim. We paid reparations in the past. You know what we paid reparations in the past to? Japanese Americans who FDR forcibly removed from their homes, seized their property and put in internment camps during World War II. The people who were alive then, their direct descendants, the people who lost everything, who lost their homes, those are the people we paid reparations to. Why? Because they were alive. They were the direct, they, they actually were directly impacted by that. Not f 15 generations removed and you've you know got ancestry that was slave and you got ancestry that was slave owner. How do you, do you owe yourself reparations? Does Kamala Harris owe herself reparations under those circumstances? No. Look forward instead of backwards and stop being a whiny little baby. All right. So this story out of Brussels is, um, is a disturbing look at the future here in the United States. And you sit there and you go, well, what do you mean? No, it's, it's true. It's sad, but it's true. The, uh, New York Post, Daily Mail, it's been reported everywhere. I don't think it's really been reported on television, not on cable news, because it's not helpful to the left. But it is a warning sign that we should all be aware of. UK Daily Mail. A physically healthy 23-year-old was helped to take her own life 
in a, quote, truly shocking euthanasia case, case in Belgium. Shanty de Court. Shanty is the traditional spelling, if there is such a thing, and D-E, and then a new word, C-O-R-T-E, if you want to look her up. Traumatized after a terror attack in 2016, died in May after medics agreed she was so depressed that she could be legally euthanized. Depression, legally euthanized. Well, that's every teenager in the world at some point or another, isn't it? You have a couple of, even just a couple bad days. If that's the barrier to entry, there is no barrier to entry. And also, you can't prove or disprove that somebody's depressed, right? So what are you doing? You're setting up excuses for potential genocide, to be perfectly honest with you. Last night, British campaigners fighting the introduction of assisted dying laws warned that even if a narrowly defined act was brought in, it would inevitably broaden over time to include those with mental health problems. It always does. There's always a slippery... I always say, oh, you're just making the slippery slope argument. That's because the slope is pretty damn slippery, okay? And you're dealing with life and death here. You're not dealing with something you can pull back from. Just like when it comes to children and mutilating their bodies. You can't really pull up from that nosedive. You can't put breasts back on. Once they're off, they're off. They're gone. Once the hormone blockers or the uh, hormone treatments or whatever, the puberty block, once those kick in and start messing with your body's chemical makeup, you can stop making it worse, but I don't think you can ever really go all the way back. So it, it is important that you talk about the slippery slope aspect of it be aware of it be prepared for it put some safeguards up there if a 23 year old wants to kill herself should we stop them should society be able to stop them i you know this is a great this is where the libertarian in me sort of kicks in and goes you know what if you're an adult, if that's what you want to do, if you want to like upgrade and fast track to hell, it's on you. You shouldn't. I'm not going to support it. But I'm also not going to put you in a padded room. If you're sane, except for in this aspect, and that's what you really want. First of all, you can't stop anybody. I don't. The assisted aspect of it, I don't like. Government, stay out of it. If somebody wants to do whatever it is to end their life. You can't stop them. So they're on their own. But the idea that this would be state-sanctioned, the idea that this would be state-approved and state-participated in is where it starts to be a problem. Story continues. But dying with dignity, which is calling for a change in the law, says there was no evidence from around the world that this tended to happen. Yeah, there's plenty of evidence that it tends to happen. It's isolated. It's rare. It's reported usually out of the UK. In Canada recently, there was one of these cases where somebody just perfectly healthy, they just didn't want to live anymore. And so they were allowed, with the help of a physician, to kill themselves. Again, if that's what you want to do, do it yourself. If that's what you want to do, do it yourself. All right? Period. End of story. 
Miss DeCourt from Antwerp developed depression and post-traumatic stress disorder after being caught up at a Brussels at Brussels airport in the Islamic State attack of March 2016, which killed 32 people. Although physically unscathed, she never got over the attack and attempted suicide twice before asking doctors to help her end her life. Did doctors ever help her with the trauma? Did anybody ever help her with the trauma? Under Belgian law, euthanasia is allowed to a person in a, quote, medically futile condition of constant and unbearable physical or mental pain that cannot be alleviated, end quote. There is no lower age limit. Imagine. There's no lower, no matter what you're, you can just insist on it. God forbid if this comes to this country and then the left finds a way to virtue signal this, go, you know what? My son killed himself. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. Oh, really? If you can virtue signal this, the left will be on board with it. Talk about insanity. Uh, let's see. Ms. De Cortez's request was approved by two psychiatrists, and she died on May 7th. Two psychiatrists. Two psychiatrists. Sign up. Yeah, no, she's, she's really sad. about. She's tried to commit suicide before, so we'll just let her. Oh, okay. Sure, there's nothing else you could do? No therapy, nothing? No, no, she wants it. So what are you going to do? She's traumatized by something that she witnessed. Uh, I don't know how closely she witnessed, but, you know, a while ago. And she's just, just sad and wants to die. Andrea Williams of Christian Concern said, quote, It's truly shocking that an otherwise healthy but traumatized 23-year-old was euthanized rather than cared for. With proper help, she could have lived a long, fulfilling life. This case shows how slippery the slope is once you allow youth in Asia law. End quote. That's right. That's the truth. Uh, I sit there and you say the real problem is the mental health. I know I can hear people's arguments in their heads. If somebody's dying of Lou Gehrig's disease, something awful, or they're suffering from Alzheimer's and they just don't want to be a part, and they don't want to go through that, I can understand that. I can understand the fear of that, the desire for that to not happen. Who doesn't understand that? But the idea that, you know what, I'm just really sad over something that happened seven years earlier. I'm sorry, tough. UK campaigners for assisted dying stress that the proposal explicitly excludes those with mental health problems. They argue that it should be legal only for what dying in dignity calls terminally ill, mentally competent patients. That's how they all started off. That's how all of this started off. Every single one of these discussions. I grew up in Michigan at a time when Jack Kevorkian was traveling the state in his van with his suicide machine. Remember his suicide machine? It was like a small rack with uh, three vials hanging from it. He had to push a couple of buttons. and He always got away with it because all he did was set it up and uh, put the needle in somebody's arm. They had to push the buttons to get the poison going. He eventually went to jail because he... He seemed to want to go to jail. He seemed to want to push the issue. But he had a, uh, a, a patient, if you can call it that, who wanted to die, who killed themselves, who couldn't. They had ALS, Lou Gehrig's disease. They were so far that they couldn't move their arms. They couldn't push the button themselves. And so he did it. That took it 
legally over a line. That and he continually kept pressing his luck and pressing his, I think maybe even represented himself in that last case. His lawyer was a guy named Jeffrey Figer, who eventually ran for governor and got absolutely humiliated. He's a Democrat. He ran for governor, got humiliated by John Engler. But uh, his Jeffrey Figer, he's now like the, he advertises on TV all over the state, or at least used to. And um, it's just a lawyer where you look at it and you go, that dude's a lawyer. You can just see it in him. It's a slimy lawyer kind of guy. And I think even Jeffrey Figer is like, you're gone too far, Jack. You've gone too far. You can't defend against this. It's not that you were helping somebody. You did it to them. You did it to them. It's a slippery slope. When the proponent of it here in this country at the beginning was slipped down that slope, a line has to be drawn. If you want to do it yourself, go ahead. But if you want society to embrace it, no. Sarah Wooten, the organization's chief executive, said, quote, the evidence from the U.S., Australia, and New Zealand tells us that tightly drafted and safeguarded laws with these strict criteria remain the way, that way. People in Miss DeCortez's position wouldn't be eligible for an assisted death under any proposed U.K. legislation, end quote. How do you know? But Dr. Claude Regnard, Honorary Consultant in Palliative Care at St. Oswald's Hospice in Newcastle, argued the pressure to include more people would be inexorable. Quote, people talk about safeguards. But even now, some are saying the safeguards envisioned would be discriminatory. End quote. And that's the truth. That's the way it works. This is why you don't allow it. Once you accept the concept, there isn't really an argument against the expansion of the concept. There really isn't. This is what annoys me about when liberals uh, give in to Democrats on whatever. Oh, well, we want to uh, pay everybody this amount of money or whatever. Like, oh, oh, well, we shouldn't be doing that. But uh, the Republican propose, Democrats propose, hey, we're going to give you... Two thousand, you get everybody two thousand dollars, and Republicans go, "That's ridiculous. That would cost too much money." We'll give everybody five hundred dollars. Well, congratulations, you just ceded the concept that the government should be giving people money. You now have no case against it, and when it's put to voters, and you got a choice between somebody willing to give you two thousand dollars and somebody willing to give you five hundred dollars, nobody's going to be thinking about what are the macroeconomic implications of this. No, they're going to simply go, "Well, I'm going to vote for the people giving me two grand because." Two grand's more than 500. You've ceded the concept. You've lost. That's why these things have to be opposed. Period. End of story. That slope is slippery for a reason. Now, by the way, uh, if you thought that the teacher... This is one of the biggest misconceptions that everybody has, talking about people caring and not caring and what have you. People are under the delusion that teachers' unions care about kids. I'm making a difference there between the teachers union and the teachers. I think a lot of teachers care about kids. I don't, it's certainly not all teachers. It might not even be most teachers. I don't know. It depends on the district. But teachers in general care about kids, whereas teachers unions don't. Teachers unions care about Democratic Party politics. Like I always say, progressives are progressives first and foremost, and anything else they are a distant second. A distant second. 
And you hear this every once in a while. They're like they're striking or they're refusing to go back to work. They don't want to do in-person learning and whatever. And you go, what is wrong with these people? Don't they care about the children? And somebody in the union, usually not the leadership, but somebody in the union gives it away. Like, hey, union members or unions represent the membership, not the kids. If you really care about kids, you want kids, you're going to have to uh, start a kids union or something like that. It's all, that's the gist of it. And it's true. It makes sense that teachers union doesn't exist to do anything except protect the interest of teachers. Now, they supplant that with care about Democratic Party politics first and foremost, but they, the best way they can care about Democratic Party politics first and foremost is to do what? Is to represent the teachers, to get the most money possible for teachers. How is that the case? Well, the money that teachers get feeds into a pool of money that the union gets that the union then gives to Democrats. You see, it's the circle of life. Then Democrats vote to give teachers unions more money, teachers more money that gives unions more money that gives Democrats more money. And it goes on and on and on. And nowhere in there is there any thought of, and if you ever brought this up with a teachers union member and said, hey, how about we, uh, I don't know, Pay people based on their ability to teach. What? No, never. How dare you? Why, you're a monster. Don't even suggest that. How about we fire bad teachers? No, never. Can't do that. How about we fire teachers who, we, frankly, we look at it and we go, you know, we, you can't teach. You can't be in the room. You can't be in the job. And so we're, uh, you're not to be trusted. You're creepy. You've creeped out. We can't prove anything, but there's a lot of complaints. How about we just, Agree that those people should move on. And no, they have the rubber room in New York City for those very types of people. I recommend you look it up for yourselves, where teachers who cannot be trusted, they're so bad for whatever reason, or they have uh, inappropriate relationships that don't cross a line, they're criminal or whatever, but we're certainly headed in that way, that you sit there with the children and they go, uh, we can't have you in a room with kids. You just, you can't be in a room with kids. You're not good at the job. Or you're not trustworthy or whatever. Instead of firing them, which they should be, thanks to the teachers union, they get to go every single day. They go there on every school day. They work, quote unquote, work the schedule of the schools where they have to go to what's called the rubber room and they have to sit there for the hours of school. They sit there for the hours of school and they do nothing. Stare straight ahead or whatever the hell it is they do. They can play video games. They can write a book. They can do whatever. They can't teach kids, but they just have to physically be there. And they get every pay raise every other teacher gets. They get all the benefits every other teacher gets. They get the pension that every other teacher gets. And you sit there and you realize that these people don't give a damn about kids at all. The teachers union, if you can't look at people like that and go, no, we're not going to, def you're, you're done. We're done with you. If you can't do that, you don't care about kids at all. But like I say, they care about progressive politics. And that leads us to the president of the American Federation for Teachers, Randy Weingarten. She is right now over in Ukraine. Why? Because Joe Biden wants certain things done and draws certain attention to things 
in Ukraine. And she is now an active participant in the Democratic Party's politics. She's not necessarily an active participant in the teachers' union, but, you know, she's not going anywhere. She's not concerned about anything. She's doing the bidding of the party, of her party. And that's it. And that's what she cares about. And that's really all she cares about. She posted a video of herself talking over I'm not going to play it, but boy, howdy, she thinks it's wildly important that she is over there in Ukraine. And you have to sit there and wonder why. Why is it? She's visiting teachers over there, not because she wants to support the students, but because probably because she wants to wet her beak over there. Let's go international with this AFT thing. She's sick of being the the biggest name in teachers' education unions, but in the second biggest teachers' union. You see, she's got the Napoleonic complex behind the National Education Association, bigger union. What I find really funny is that you sit there and you go, and you, this happens all the time, and it ties into Kamala Harris talking about kids. Randy Weingarten talks about the kids. Oh, boy, howdy does she talk about the kids. She has none. She's childless. The vice president of the United States talks about kids. She, she has none. Joe Biden talks about his kids all the time, did a horrible job of raising them. Kind of, you know, a big deal. You point that out. Should be pointed out that Joe Biden, not exactly the father of the year, not exactly a good father in any way, shape, or form, if you probably ask his son and his daughter. He, by the way, is having a... Uh, is, one of his granddaughters, his oldest granddaughter, is going to be getting married at the White House soon. Now, he, he won't even acknowledge one of his grandkids. He won't acknowledge the, the grandkid that Hunter had with the stripper. She doesn't exist. Never once acknowledged her. He says, I've got five grandkids because he's senile, you see. He's senile. And so he said that he only has five grandkids, but he acknowledges six of them. He actually has seven grandkids. But that's beside the point. It's just a, a sick, weird world that we live in. Fox News reports, American Federation for Teacher, of Teachers President Randy Weingarten faced criticism from some social media uh, for taking a trip to Ukraine while many U.S. schools are floundering. Quote, woke up this a.m. to report on disgusting Russian missile strike in Kiev, Lviv, and other cities, Weingarten treated, tweeted Monday morning, quote, Heading to the border now to assess the situation. The Russian attempt to frighten civilians and the effect on children who are learning online today is why this, uh, she puts the Ukrainian flag emoji, trip is so important. Now, it's funny. These very same people will tell you they represent the teachers, not the students. But she's over in Ukraine because of the students. Children in this country have lost 10 years worth of education. 10 years worth of education, thanks in large part to Randy Weingarten shutting down the schools and keeping them shut down at her insistence. And now she's over there in Ukraine saying, don't worry, children are learning remotely. Well, what do you think they're doing? How do you think they're doing over there? If you care about kids at all, she doesn't care about kids. Weingarten is joining a pediatrician and public health activist, Dr. Irwin Redliner, Karen Redlener and Rabbi Sharon Kleinbaum in Ukraine this week to meet with Ukrainian students and teachers displaced by the war. Why? There are kids displaced in Chicago by the drug war, by the, by the drug 
gangs warring. Has Randy Weingarten gone to Chicago and met with, uh, I don't know, Governor Beetlejuice over there and asked anything, how can we improve this? No, because the idea of pointing out how American children are suffering thanks to the failures of liberal Democratic Party politics is not what these people do. It's not who these people are. It's not how they work. So, yeah, next time you sit there and you say, boy, this, the teachers union, the school system is really failing, don't ever be surprised. This is why it's failing. The head of the teachers union doesn't care about your kids. She's over there assessing the situation. She doesn't care about kids. She doesn't care about your kids. She never did. It's not because she doesn't have kids. It's because that's not her job. She is a flack for the Democratic Party, period, end of story. Speaking of flax for the Democratic Party, period, end of story, Kamala Harris. Boy, howdy, you just, at a certain point, you gotta go. The return on the investment of sending her out into doing media is negative. We should probably stop doing it. At a certain point, you gotta go, she sucks at party. She sucks at politics. Forget that her politics suck. That's beside the point. She sucks at politics. That's what Cam, she's terrible at it. And that's how she got into politics, by the way, just as an aside. She went on the late, sh- uh, later, no, the late show with uh, Seth Meyers. Seth Meyers is such a whiny little brat. It's, it's like two whiny little babies sitting around complaining about everything. And Seth Meyers brought up the border. Now, he shouldn't have brought up the border because anybody paying attention would know that Kamala Harris has been put in charge of the border by Joe Biden and that she's failed miserably, that you talk about it. But you don't really have to worry about that when it comes to Seth Meyers' audience. They likely get their news from Seth Meyers, which means they're woefully misinformed. Anyway, they're whining about the governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, bussing illegal aliens up to Washington, D.C. and dropping them off outside of Kamala's government-provided home at the Naval Observatory. Kamala says some things that are provably false, and uh, Seth Meyers says some things that are undeniably stupid, which is kind of what you'd expect when you get just a couple of people, a couple of liberals, just a couple of liberals chatting. You, uh, I think one of the nice things uh, about the office is you get to live in the Naval Observatory. Yeah. Uh, one of the current, uh, I would say, downsides of that is uh, Governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, is uh, participating in uh, a piece of political theater. He is sending yeah. migrants, uh, basically dropping them off at your doorstep. Yeah. Um, I don't think that you know playing games with people's lives is the solution to this problem. But based on uh, yeah. the record amount of arrests at the border, it is a problem. I think we look to our leaders at times like these. What is the path forward? Well, let's start with the, the first point that you made. Um, I mean, we're talking about people who have fled great harm. They fled great harm. And they are coming here seeking refuge. And Talk about political theater. I mean, playing games with people's lives, with their lives. You know, there were mothers with sleeping babies getting off those buses. And I just think it's an absolute dereliction of duty. If you see a problem and if we agree that, that we need to address it, then if you're a leader, participate in a solution 
right? When we first came in office, the first bill that we proposed was for a pathway for citizenship, was to fix a broken immigration system, which was broken under the previous administration. Participate in the solution, because we are offering solutions. But instead, this gamesmanship with real human beings who trust us. Uh, it's, a very, it's very haunting to uh, watch uh, human beings being used yeah. uh, as props like that. No, oh, it's haunting. I don't know how I'll sleep tonight. you got to love these idiots. What can be done? What can we do? Oh, well, first thing, we, Kamala kind of screwed up there in her answer, which she, aside from the lying. So the first thing we did, meaning we cared about this issue from the very beginning. She sucks at her caring, but she, they cared about this issue. The first thing they did was offer a pathway to citizenship. Er, uh, no, I mean, we wanted to do other things. Oh, wait, a pathway to citizenship. No, then you said you wanted to uh, fix a broken system. So she immediately changed it after she recognized that it wasn't, that they did, they only care about a pathway to citizenship but you can't say that she only cares about a pathway to citizenship she has to say we're trying to break a, a fix a broken system that the previous administration broke now how did the previous administration break it when democrats have been saying we've had a broken system since the 90s and nothing has been passed about the system somehow something that bill clinton was whining about back in the 90s is now the fault of donald trump that's a hell of a trick of course, Seth Meyers doesn't know this. He's dumb and he's just a bobblehead sitting there nodding in agreement with her. But Democrats have been whining about a broken system and a need for comprehensive immigration reform since the 90s. They haven't gotten it, which means that we still have the same system. What Donald Trump did was he enforced more of the laws that are on the book than other people have since then, including George W. Bush, who was a big open borders leftist on that issue so he didn't break the system he actually tried to unbreak the system because if you uh you take a car and you just remove a couple of pieces from the engine the engine isn't going to work as well it might still run the car might still move depending on which pieces you take out but in general it's not going to work the way it should if you take our immigration system and you go we're not going to enforce this part we're not going to enforce that part we're going to ignore this other thing and replace it with Guess what? The system's not going to run the way it's supposed to. The system is not going to work the way it was designed. That's how things work. She's counting on you not knowing that. She's counting on you not understanding. She's Look, if it's Seth Meyers' audience at 1 o'clock in the morning, it's a pretty safe bet you're not dealing with people who know what the hell is going on or understand how things work in the world, even in their own lives. They just don't get it. So you can get away with fooling these people. But my God, can we just talk for a second about how grating Kamala Harris's voice is? My God, it's... You walk up to her, you plug her nose, and it's like her head would explode. Yeah, really? Right? I mean, we should do this. We should do... This. They're fleeing oppression. No, they're not. They're fleeing danger. No, they're not. Most of these people are not... There's no war-torn South American countries that these people are coming from. That's what they're claiming because you guys on the left have trained them to say, I'm seeking asylum for violence. When it comes time to prove it, they're batting about zero in court. But it takes years to prove it, and most of them don't show up to court, which Democrats are fine with. These are the people they want to give amnesty to. Everything these people say on this issue is a complete and total lie. 
So then from uh, the vice president of the United States going from talking about uh, the border, which amazing how she can talk about the border and not apologize profusely every time the border issue comes up. She should. She honestly, she should. Her, 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 the rest of her life should just be her apologizing. for. Sorry about what I did to the border. Sorry about the border thing. Sorry. Sorry about that. Let's talk about the border. Yeah, first of all, let me just say sorry. Sorry about that. Should be. But no. Anyway, uh, she then went on to toss. I don't even know what this word salad is supposed to be. It's a, a moment of she's trying to talk about kids. This is why people who don't have kids, like, forgive me if I don't take advice about kids from people who don't have kids. Kamala Harris has no kids. Oh, she's a stepmom, but she's a stepmom to a kid who was, I think, already an adult by the time she came around. So, like, you didn't raise the kids. You haven't done anything. If uh, you haven't really raised a kid from early on, you can like kids, you can be nice to kids or whatever, but I'm not going to take your... When you talk about, these are our kids, just like Randy Weingarten. These are our children. They're all our children. They're not your children. You want to pay some child support. You want to help defray some of the costs of raising a kid? We could talk about, you you can't have visitation because you're weirdos, but you can at least verbally say our kids without me throwing up in my mouth a little bit, right? You, you you cut me a monthly check and we can talk about it. But until then, no. Listen, I, I see if you can figure out what in the hell Kamala Harris is trying to say here other than just psychobabble. But I mean, truly, when you, you know, when you see our kids, and I truly believe that they are our children, they are the children of our country, of our communities, I, I mean, our future is really bright if we if we prioritize them and therefore prioritize the climate crisis and the need to address it. <laughs> if we look, we prioritize kids. OK, yeah, I think every parent would prioritize. You're, you're not a parent. So what the hell do you know? But and he goes, if you care about your kids, then you would cede all of your rights to us in the federal government in the climate crisis. Well, wait a second. That's a that's a bit of a a jump. If you care about your kids, then you won't mind having a 40% increase in your energy costs. Or you won't mind dropping 50 grand to buy an electric car if you care about your kids. Well, that's a it's a hell of a unit of measure right there, Kamala. If you care about your kids, you won't mind dropping 100 grand to buy new windows and get new insulation and install solar panels on your your rooftop. So, what are you saying that everybody who can't afford those sorts of things are bad parents? Are you setting it up so you can come in and seize other people's kids? Eh, probably not. You don't want that responsibility. Although if somebody thinks wrong, then you could. Then you could definitely, I mean, don't get me wrong. These leftists would absolutely love to come in and seize the power, seize the parental power, take over the parenting of the child. If they have the ability to do it, they don't have the ability to do it. They're horrible people and they're horrible at their jobs. And they don't have kids, so they're not really good at it. John Stewart, talking of kids, John Stewart has a show called The Problem with John Stewart. It turns out that the problem is John Stewart. He sat down for an interview with the Attorney General of Arkansas 
a woman named Leslie Rutledge, where Jon Stewart was insisting that if you don't allow for children to butcher their bodies, if you don't allow them sex change operations or hormone blockers, that somehow you're being abusive to children. Being abusive, and he was quite the jerk, to the attorney general because he disagrees with her. He's trying to get back in the good graces. See, John Stewart used to make all sorts of gay jokes. John Stewart used to make all sorts of things, all sorts of inappropriate jokes out there about things that you're not allowed to joke about anymore. He hasn't been discovered yet. They're too busy trying to get the scalps of people who are still making those jokes. But sooner or later, they will get around to John Stewart. John Stewart is trying to head that off at the pass. The joke's on them. They have more money than. John Stewart has to, John Stewart has more money. He has to worry about this sort of thing, but he also craves acceptance. He wants to matter. He doesn't matter anymore. His show on Apple, nobody watches it. Clips online are the only thing he come close to getting him an audience. He doesn't matter. He wants to get a bigger audience, so he's doing a mea culpa. He's doing some self-flagellation. I guarantee you, if his kids wanted to come in and said, "All right, well, we want to remove," I want to. I'm 12 years old. I want to remove my penis. John Stewart would not go. Well, let's go find the best surgeon in the world to get that thing taken off of you. I guarantee you that wouldn't be the case. I guarantee. I promise you that wouldn't be the case. But that's how he wants everybody else to be forced to live, because that's how leftists work. It's a guy named David Levitt. He is an award-winning multimedia journalist. He's written for CBS News, Yahoo, etc., etc. He's out there going after a conservative woman in the state Senate race in Virginia named Tina Ramirez. Tina Ramirez. What is Tina Ramirez's sin? Well, she's a Hispanic woman who refuses to embrace the woke culture. She celebrates and teaches her kids about Columbus Day. That is a sin. She tweeted to David Levitt, who said, why are you celebrating torture, rape, murder, and enslavement? I'm talking about Columbus Day. She said, I teach my daughter real American history. I refuse to join the radical left's campaign to erase history. To which David Levitt, a busybody leftist, white guy, white guy, says, can someone please call child care services and Tina Ramirez Who's teaching her child to be a racist? From that moment on yesterday, this piece of excrement tweeted. He was on hold for an, over an hour. He stayed on hold for over an hour with the Virginia hotline to report child abuse. For over an hour to report Tina Ramirez. He kept tweeting out screen captures of his phone. Virginia State Hotline for Child Abuse has a 10-plus minute hold and has experienced high-volume calls with 14 callers ahead of me. This is absolutely unacceptable. How many people try to report child abuse or hang up? Or how many children will continue to be abused? Well, how many people have, uh, you know, rear entry ports, human rear entry points like you? How many of those 14 people ahead of you are like that? You're clogging up the system, you piece of garbage. He then went 20 minutes, 27 minutes. It's been 35 minutes. It's been 43 minutes. Oh, my God. And, of course, white boy going after Hispanic woman. Perfectly acceptable in liberal circles because she thinks wrong. By the way, the uh, woman, Tina Ramirez, her, her son is black, which only makes it worse 
to the left because they don't like they want you to stick to your own race they want you to stick to your own ethnicity he ended up sticking on the phone for more than 60 minutes on hold to try to complain that a hispanic woman was teaching a black child to not hate this country you want to know how far gone the left is he was not decried or attacked or smeared by the left conservatives did The left was uh, passively silent. Uh, Quickly, if you were afraid that the republic was going to come to an end because people in California or anywhere in the country were able to easily carry produce around a grocery store and purchase it, um, fear not. The republic is saved. The blaze has this story. It's so pathetic. California a state known for its onerous regulations caused by left-wing policies, has approved legislation to ban stores from providing those helpful little plastic bags that consumers commonly use to store produce while shopping in the supermarket. You know, you're going to buy a bunch of tomatoes, and so you don't want to just throw them in your basket. What do you do? You... uh, You take them and you put them in that little bag so they stay together. They don't roll around. They don't get all beat up. They don't go to hell. Well, not allowed anymore, going to be allowed anymore anyway in California. How pathetic are these people? The new rule is slated to go into effect January 1st, 2025. You got to love that. You know why they do it 2025? It's 2022 right now, just so you know. If you wanted to put it, you say, all right, well, starting 2023, you can't do that. Well, why wouldn't you do that? Well, people will go to the polls this year realizing what Democrats are doing to them. The Democrats are inserting themselves into their lives at this level. So they go, we don't want that. We do not want that. Okay, let's push it off to 2024. Well, no, no, we don't. There's another election year. We get two election cycles away. Then we can have this ban go into place. And you sit there and you go, and I guarantee you, I haven't looked into it, but I promise you that the justification for this is the environment. It's so damned important for the environment that we do these sorts of things. If it's so damned important for the environment that we do these things, then why do you wait three years to implement them? It's not hard. People just go, all right, these bags are gone and those bags are gone. It's not like people will have a new solution. There won't be some new carrying device, some electric force field thing that you can put the fruit and vegetables in. No, those won't exist. There won't be anything new in three years, except for that there'll be two elections away from these things and Democrats will then have plausible deniability. They look, we didn't vote on this. I don't even know what you're talking about. It's uh, uh well, that's, uh, that's been in law for a very long time. So they'll have all kinds of excuses that they can put out there. It's messed up. The text of the bill states that a uh, pre-checked bag means a bag provided to a customer before the customer reaches the point of sale that is designed to protect a purchased item from damaging or contaminating other purchased items in a checkout bag or to contain an unwrapped food item, such as but not limited to loose produce, meat, fish, nuts, grains, candy, and baked goods. Pre-checked bag does not include a bag used to prepackage items prior to their arrival in the store. So the bill says you can wrap them up before they put them out so you can still buy bags of grapes, but you can't put uh, oranges in a bag. 
So they're going to lay around and it, it produce. Fine, I guess, maybe. But then you got the problem of what? You got a problem if you're going to buy pastries, you're going to buy donuts. You'll have those little individual plastic bags or the plastic bags you put your donuts. Nope. What are you going to do? Just throw a loose donut in the, your, your grocery cart? Probably not. You're going to have to get a box. And have to get it. Well, you're not going to have a box for one donut, and then another box for if you're just buying two donuts, and then a box for three donuts, and then no, you're going to have maybe a container for one donut, and then a container for a dozen donuts because somehow big donut caused people to buy them in groups of twelve. So you're going to have a lot of people buying two donuts instead of just putting them in a little bag. You're going to put them in a big-ass box or in two individual boxes. It's going to create even more waste if that was your objective. It's not your objective. It's to make sure that the people still say how high when you tell them to jump. That's what's really going on here. Government says jump. You got to say how high. Period. End of story. Who do you think you are? We're the government. Shut your mouth. Obey. 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 I wouldn't mind this so much, except for this stupidity will not stay contained in California. It will be to a grocery store near you, because that's how it works. Stupid things start in California, and then they migrate east. Just like people. (sighs) Lastly, let's listen to the Army Secretary. The the Secretary of the Army is a woman named Christine Wormuth. W-O-R-M-U-T-H. At an event yesterday... See, the problem with the army is it's gone woke. They're very interested in skin color. They're interested in gender identity. They're very interested in all these sorts of things. They're handing out books and pamphlets and have diversity and inclusion experts that they come in and tell everybody you're you're fi- you're fighting for a horrible racist country. It's fundamentally racist. They're going, wow, why the hell would I lay my life down for a country that's fundamentally horribly racist? Well, more and more people aren't. That's why they were 15,000 short, a new record, for uh, not reaching their recruiting goals, which they'd already downgraded and downgraded beforehand. Well, the wokeness that is metastasized throughout the military, Christine Wormuth, has no idea what it is. She couldn't possibly know, which to me means only one thing. She's not paying attention to what's going on in the military, as most leftists don't. They hold the military in contempt, and they're there to social engineer. They don't really give a damn about the defense of the United States of America. And one more thing, Haley, I would emphasize is I think um, more broadly in terms of, you know, soldiers coming from um, marginalized communities or, you know, demographics that are not widely represented in the Army, that's part of why we've got to emphasize positive command climates and inclusion. You know, we get criticized, frankly, sometimes for being woke. I'm not sure what woke means. I think woke means a lot of different things to different people. Um, but first of all, I would say if, if woke means, you know, we are not focused on war fighting, we are not focused on readiness, that doesn't reflect what I see at installations all around the country or overseas when I go and visit. But I think, you know, we do have a wide range of soldiers in our army, and we've got to make them all feel included. And that's why a lot of our diversity, equity, and inclusion programs are important. 
That's not what the military is supposed to do. You're supposed to strip out the individuality. You're supposed to be a part of a machine. You're supposed to follow orders. You're not to sit there and go, Sergeant, you uh, used, you mispronounced me. You used the wrong gender. I, I refer to myself as Z. So if you don't refer to me as Z and you're saying, hey, you go over there and uh, protect our flank, that really uh, otherizes me. And I'm not really sure I'm comfortable in doing those sorts of things. That's what your objective is. If you're sitting there going, we have a lot of people from marginalized communities. No, you have a lot of Americans signing up for the military. If you look at them as anything else, if you view them as anything else, if you hold them as anything else, if you care about anything else, get the hell out of the job. Army Secretary Christine Wormuth, it's time to go. This is why you have to vote for Republicans, because these people aren't going anywhere. They're just ingraining themselves deeper into the culture and ruining a once great military. That is all the time we have for today, but they'll be back ruining everything tomorrow. Fear not. That's what they do. It's who they are. I appreciate you listening. Have yourself a wonderful day. I'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.